Today's show is brought to you in partnership with GiveSum. GiveSum is a platform that got on my radar last year. I've been watching with anticipation as they built out their solution. What they have built is brilliant. It's an online platform that allows companies who are already giving to seamlessly engage their employees in the experience by allowing them to choose the causes that matter most to them and choosing where the funds are donated. As my listeners know, I believe that corporate giving needs to be a table stakes when it comes to how we as leaders run our companies. And I also know that sometimes those donations and acts of support don't always connect to the people on our teams. GiveSum solves that problem by creating a bridge where you as a leader can now allow your team to select the causes and charities that matter most to them, and then through the platform itself, receive direct feedback on the impact of those funds. Gone is the need for the once a year town hall or a company-wide email to share the, what causes the org supported last year. GiveSum allows your team to pick the charities and get direct feedback on the impact the dollars had. One of the best parts, GiveSum does not take a percentage of the donation. 100% of the dollars donated go directly to the charity and to the people who need it the most. GiveSum works with your company and for a set fee, they administer the entire process. If you're already giving, which statistically speaking, you most likely are, visit GiveSum.com and find out how you can get your entire company involved in making a difference for the people who need it most. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to my guest this morning, Ms. Liz McRae. How are you doing, Liz? I'm doing great. How are you? I am so good. It's sunny outside. We've got a little bit of rain. This will air in a few weeks, but we just came through and unfortunately, Northern Alberta <clears throat> could use more rain. But I, I grew up back east and when Calgary's not green in the spring, it, I'm not as happy. I like a green Calgary or a green, a green Alberta. I don't know. I don't know if you uh, like the brown. Uh, I don't love it. I don't love it. <laughs> I love the green and I love how fast spring comes here. Yes. Like I'm originally from Atlantic Canada. And so you have these long, drawn out, wet, rainy, cool springs. Mm. And sometimes in Alberta, sometimes it's like it happens overnight. It was like, oh, we were skiing two weeks ago. And now <laughs> I know. we're biking in shorts. Like, and, how did this happen? And then you feel like you're late to set the patio up because you're like, holy shit, it's going to be 28 before. Where did that come from? Yeah. In the beginning of May. And, and then a week later you get snow. Uh, well, yes, because June, I, I, I kind of refer to June as rainy season now in Alberta that we have a rainy season, which if you get a good rainy June, then it means you've got a green July and August. Otherwise, moving here from Quebec, I remember my I moved here in winter, my first spring, I'm like, Where's first of all, where are all the lakes in the water? And second of all, why are all the trees brown? What is happening here? <laughs> so I had a bit of an adjustment period. Um, yeah. Atlantic Canada, I heard it when you said Canada. I won't try to imitate it because that's, uh, I, I heard the twang that, that's still, how long have you been in Calgary? I've been in Calgary um, Alberta. Oh, on and off. <laughs> okay. Since 07. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. So you left, you came, you liked it, you came back, you're here. Well, that, that's yeah, another podcast. But we won't tell that whole story. Yeah. Um, we met because you reached out. So thank you. I love when people just go, oh, I've heard of you. I like what you're, I like what the podcast is about. I have a story to tell and they reached out. So thank you for that. Thank you for taking the initiative. As you and I were joking off here, that is Calgary, one degree. You just reach out to somebody. If they can't help you, they'll introduce to somebody who can. Like I will stand on this all day long. That is one of our superpowers here in Western Canada, that quote unquote, big, small, big, small town vibe. You are head of partnerships at Village Wealth. And I say that, um, how do you pronounce wealth? Because it is spelled a little bit differently than I might have spelled wealth. (laughs) It is. No, it's spelled like it it would typically be be spelled, or it sounds like it would typically be spelled wealth. Yeah, Village Wealth. Village Wealth. Unique spelling. Nice. Well, hey, I'm a marketing branding guy. I like making things we love. We can't help ourselves, but make things unique. So let's jump in the elevator. Everybody knows I love the little quick, uh, if you take two floors, you can take 30 floors. It's your pitch elevator. What is Village Wealth all about? What problem do you guys solve in the world? And then let's unpack the story from there. Sounds great. Yeah. So we're a local tech startup here in Calgary, and we are on a mission to make acquisitions accessible. 
So what that means is, you know, private equity and corporations have been growing through acquisition and creating wealth for decades. Um, but the average Canadian uh, who wants to or dreams of being an entrepreneur can can become a business owner through acquisition. And uh, we found that the majority of people don't don't know about it. Uh, they're familiar with people, you know, starting a business, doing a startup um, or buying a franchise, but they're not as familiar with buying an established business. And so in the time that we're in right now as well, because of our, our kind of baby boomer generation retiring, and we're seeing it in the workforce, and we're also seeing it in, in uh, business ownership. So it's estimated that three out of four business owners will retire in the next 10 years. So it's 75%. Like, so basically almost almost over. everyone <laughs> for, for, for broad there's, sweeping terms. Okay, yeah, wow. Okay, 75% in the next 10 years. That's a real number. And yeah, sorry, is, is that North years, America, so. Canada, Western Canada? Where where's that stat kind of based in? You know, it's all it's almost it's almost global because there's you know okay, post war there was that bump, yeah. um, and so you're there's it's happening in Australia, it's happening in you know mm. the majority of the Commonwealth countries. Um, it's 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 global, to be honest. Okay, I mean, well, all I hear is opportunity, opportunity, opportunity in in in, in that statement. I love that you said something in there that just because as I'm hearing you talk, I'm like, oh, it used to be. Oh, I want to get into business. I should go buy a franchise. Like that was so much, I think sometimes the only path or I can do a startup and that was, you know, and that's not gotten any easier, but it's way cooler to say you're doing a startup now than it was even, I don't know about you. If I told someone at my high school, maybe my guidance counselor that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, I'd get some, I'd, I would have got sent to some type of remedial program <laughs> if I didn't want to be a doctor <laughs> or lawyer or do a trade, you know what I mean? So I do yeah, appreciate like, how, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a very different world. Though. And I think sometimes we overshine the entrepreneur journey of how hard that is, but the idea of buying a, for someone who's started businesses the once you've done that the idea of doing it is very exhausting where picking up on something that's already running and has established and then growing improving or adding your special sauce to it that's an interesting flavor that you're right feels probably like okay cool where would i even think about doing that <laughs> when where do i get started and it's funny we have yeah. a lot of members that kind of fall into that that category where you just you just mentioned like I've done a startup before I've owned companies before, but I am not starting from scratch again. Yeah. And usually, you know, I, for that kind of group of our members, they've, they've had an exit and they've sold. So they know that there are people out there buying. And so they're like, well, well yeah, they've seen that. behind the curtain, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You said they've a word through it. Feels like a you said another word, you said members. Talk to me a little bit, like, let's get into a little bit how your platform, because members jumped out at me as like, what do you mean? What do you mean members? <laughs> yes. So we are a subscription service. And so okay. our members, we have members who are buyers and we have members who are sellers. Mm. Uh, so we have a marketplace component to our platform. And then what we're building next, so people can find buyers and sellers on the platform now and they can find each okay. other. So sellers can f search for buyers. and. Um, Buyers get contacted, um, and we're just about to publish deal flow. So deal flow, I'm speaking technical terms here, um, but our business, business you're in it, you're, you're in it, Liz, sale. you're staring right at it. It's right in your face. I get it. I appreciate I that. I, I'll try not to do that. If I use an acronym or something, I'll, uh, I will, uh, I will, I will always, I'll never pretend to know the acronym. I'll always ask what it is. Okay. <laughs> and for anyone who's listening and they're curious, because again, I know if I'm in my kitchen making dinner, I probably won't jump on, but if I'm anywhere near a computer, so village wealth, W E L L T H.com. So if you're listening and you want to kind of do the multi-screen multi-listen thing, please go, go and check it out. Well, 
while we're talking. I love the member subscription model. So to be clear, and, and I messed this up the first time you and I chatted, so egg on my face, you are not a business broker. That's not what this is. <laughs> no, I'm a retired okay. business owner, uh, <laughs> business broker. Okay. Yeah, okay. I retired. <laughs> okay. Retired, rehabilitated. Yeah. No, I understand. Yeah. Um, so, but recovering. obviously saw, saw a need of recovering. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> but saw a need and saw, and saw a gap. So really the marketplace, the two-sided marketplace that you guys created is that, does that remove the business broker in its traditional form from the transaction? No, it doesn't. Actually, okay. brokers and M&A firms actually are, are our biggest user on the sell side. So nice. we're okay. an extension of their database. But what we found was for first-time buyers, what they had to go through was, you know, if you're looking for a business, businesses aren't publicly yeah. promoted for sale. It's like an underground industry. It's an underground market. Somebody knows so, somebody who knows somebody who wants an exit. Somebody mm-hmm. who knows somebody, right? Yeah. Very word of mouth, very relationship-based. And so unless you understand what that world looks like, like a lot of our a lot of people who buy businesses come from a finance background, they come from private equity, they were in former investment bankers, they they know the game. But then you've got all these smaller businesses that typically like private equity and those guys aren't going to look at because they're too small. And yeah. so they struggle to find buyers because they don't kind of meet the, the the metrics of those bigger buyers. And that's so interesting because so- in that case, you've got more of a peer-to-peer style transaction versus, you know, we're a startup and we're looking for pre-seed or seed round or angel round investing. Like it, it, You hear the most of the media and the focus, the conversation is around that. Versus, you know, I want exit and I want in, but we're both on more of a peer level than working with an investment bank. It really changes the the power dynamic or the the opportunity for the relationship. Yeah, yeah, it can. And Mm. so we have people who sell without a broker, but we also have a lot of brokers using the platform. Okay, and we're just trying to bring more exposure to the first time individual buyer. Um, Or, I mean, we have early stage private equity groups on the platform too. They're just they're just trying to access the network. Um, and so we, we take a buyer and we help them refine their search criteria. And then we use the data from their search criteria to pair them with businesses that are for sale. But we also use that search criteria, um, and a bit of a profile, personal profile on them to highlight them and show the world that yes, there are people looking to buy businesses because that was one of the biggest things when I was a business broker, you know, I was hearing from accountants that say, how do you find buyers? How are you finding buyers? And I would hear from business owners and they would say, are there even buyers out there for my businesses? And they were, they were so in the dark that anyone would want to buy their business or how am I going to, how is somebody else going to run my company someday? And so we're, we demystified that. I love that because it is a it is a bit of a black bag and there is a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety around that. And you're so busy running your business, you haven't learned about this aspect of because selling or buying a business is another skill set. It's arguably yeah. a different skill set than the doing of the of the business of the business itself. And how long have you guys been around? How long has the platform been quote unquote live? It's been live for just about two years. The okay. idea started about three and a half years ago, and it was just, you know, back and forth with my partners on, you know, Google Docs at night, <laughs> thinking, yeah. you know, is this, is this, is, is there legs here? Is this idea? What is, you know, could this be something? And then it was January of 2020 that we decided. So I have three partners. So there's four founders in our company. 
Um, and Platform Calgary and Platform's uh, tech community has been in- incredibly supportive awesome. of us, um, Alberta Innovates and all the programs. Like it, it's funny. I, I tell people like 20 years from now, I'm we're going to look back and go, we, we were there at the foundation of Calgary's tech scene. And it's that's, that's such awesome. an exciting time to be <laughs> part of this community. It's really amazing. And even from what you're, you know, three and a half years ago till now, because that's about when I started the podcast. And just what I've seen evolve and the, 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 the Venn diagrams that were really sparse and didn't overlap as much, it's starting to get filled in. There's a lot less white space. There's overlap. And I think, you know, what plat- I think you brought platform and there's so many examples we could really, there's almost too many. Sometimes you need a roadmap just to figure out all yeah. the different you know, uh, available tools, but just where that's gone in the last four years. So it's interesting. Your journey is kind of paralleled what I've seen even my own optics of like, Oh, what is going on in this, this tech ecosystem that gets thrown around and we're 10 years late to a 20 year party. Jim Gibson said that like on episode one of collisions, 350 <laughs> episodes ago. And I've had Jim on since and just seeing it very cool for you to be kind of on that journey. So falling in love with your customer's version of the problem, when you look at buy side, sell side from the platform's perspective, which which version like was it in parallel so i'm going way down the weeds i don't know why this my brain wants to know this um whose problem did you solve first was it the buyer or the seller where did you lean in on was it always equal have you been working like it feels like there's a balance i'm like i'm looking at the scales of any marketplace play of you've got the both sides when it really comes to falling in love with your customer's version of the problem and then solving it mm-hmm. how did that unfold for you guys as a quote unquote just put on your tech startup hat mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting question. Well, I like, there's been lots of, lots of epiphanies along the way and and (laughs) lots of aha moments for us too. Right. And like, and when we, when you start building something, sometimes you think I'm building it in this way and this is exactly how it's going to look like at the end of the day. And it, and it doesn't look that way. And it, you know, sometimes you let the product, the product leads you. And, and, and that's why, Mm. you know, in, in tech, they put so much emphasis on customer discovery and, um, you know, listen to your, listen to your customers and, and the product evolves on its own. And it's funny, I have a fine arts degree and I, I take that lesson from my background too, because you, you know, when you, when you're a creative person, you start creating something, um, sometimes it will take its own direction and you have to be forgiving enough to let, to let it guide you sometimes I, I found and be okay. I like with, that. That's good know, advice. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's good advice. Yeah. Like it, at the end of the day, it might not look like you originally envisioned. It might be better. And, but you've got to let go and, and let it guide you. So anyway, I digress there, but um, back to your question. No, I think that's a good lesson. That, that might be your mic drop moment there for the episode. What you, I'm always like, what, what's the bumper, <laughs> well, what's, the bumper sti- what's the bumper sticker quote for the episode? I'm like that might be it right there. <laughs> I'm done. That's it. That's it. Thanks, Tyler. Yeah. yeah mic um, drop. Hey, great chat. It's good. It's yeah. good. See you next, see you next time. Yeah. See you later. So when, um, with, those, with those two groups, did you get product market fit? Um, in my words, not, uh, with yeah. one group before the other. And then, you know, uh, we started looking at the buyers for sure. Okay. So, okay. I mean, there are business for sale marketplaces out there and there are some marketplaces that deliver the results very well. Okay. But we found what we were hearing was that from the buyer's perspective, it's how do you find good businesses? How do you find, you know, with the quality of the businesses on the marketplaces isn't there? How do we build a network? How do we get in front of deals earlier? What is the process of buying a business? And then, you know, a buyer, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And so they would start with, I'm just looking for a business to buy. Well, what are you looking for? And what's, what's your a lot of people, mm-hmm. when they first start, they start off very broad, like, well, I'm looking for a business. And 
I, I want it to have management in place and I want it to be this stable, but they're really agnostic by industry. And so we really want them to hone in on more of the criteria. And, and at each junction, we look at acquisitions as a six phase process. Well, transactions fall apart at every single stage and without guidance, that's why they're falling apart. And we hear so many people about, you know, business owners being like, I, I couldn't sell my business or I couldn't find the right buyer. And we looked at the, the equation and we thought if we could train buyers to buy businesses better, then more of them would sell. Mm. And that's why we started with the buy side. And then as we build our product, you know, there's that revelation like, oh, we are building a two-sided marketplace. We do need to build, you know, supports for the sell side and better user flow for the sell side. And it's an evolution. We're certainly not done, but we've made tremendous strides in the last year. So our our platform, back to your question about how, how long have we had a functioning platform, we opened up two years ago, but the last year has been very, very critical for us. When it comes to feedback and what we should do or shouldn't do, uh, the, the, the burden of any technology, like how many tickets do we have open and what are we actually going to say yes to? And, you know, someone joked the other day, you know, we're more, you're often more defined by what you say no to versus what you say. Saying yes is easy. Saying no is, takes more skill. Yeah. When it came to understanding which features were going to cause the most benefit, did you guys have a process for that? Or just talk a little bit of like, we're really putting on the startup hat right now of like, how did you decide what to say yes to and what to say no to in the evolution of, oh, of, of your offering? It's hard. It, it honestly is hard. And, and we look at it like, you know, there's what's the most, what's, you know, on that metric of urgency and importance, you know, what's <laughs> yes. the most urgent? The infamous, the is this important? urgent or is this important or is this actually on fire? <laughs> yeah. And from a startup too, you're trying to grow revenue as well as balance 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 mm. there there it is again <laughs> there's my accent um, Nova Scotia yeah <laughs> yeah um you're trying to balance you know grant revenue and mm. investors when you're going through a raise and revenue and so sometimes we have to make decisions on what is what are people willing to pay for and there's you know there's the basic functionality that has to be built but then there's you know elements that people are going to pay for. And so we just turned on our, we, we had sell side subscriptions started about a year and a half ago, I think. Um, our buy side subscriptions only started four months ago, uh, four or five months ago. And so that's been a new element for us. Um, and what we find is the first draw is, you know, people who are buying businesses, they want, they want to see the, the listings, they want to see the opportunities. And so we kind of, you know, when, when there was, Uber, Uber needed drivers and they needed riders and you needed yeah. to have both within a geographic area before anyone or or, or it just simply does not function, right? Yeah, it doesn't function. Or it doesn't function, right? So yeah. we have more concentration in Western Canada just because that's where our founding team is. But we, you know, we run that that issue as well as we need buyers and we need sellers on the platform and then we need critical mass before people are willing to pay for it. So we've started to monetize and uh, as the platform evolves and does a better job of bringing both parties together, then we'll we'll raise we'll raise the subscription rate at some point when it makes yep, sense. I appreciate that. Um, but for buyers we're building in like, so the marketplace is phase one. We look at village wealth in three phases. Phase one is the marketplace where buyers and sellers can find each other. Phase two is the tools and the digital tools that are built into the, the buy side. And so that's 
support for each stage of the acquisition process. So the, the make it the make it better and make make sure limit its chances of failure stage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. it's using AI to find more de- more companies for sale. It's using AI to gather insights and intelligence by industry. So when people are agnostic and they're, you know, and they start to narrow it down like, oh, commercial cleaning. Well, what are the stats and the data on commercial cleaning companies? Yeah, trends, uh, uh, trends, trends. Running, yeah, and a lot of those businesses yeah. that are more mature in their industries have have data for them, like you know, yeah. length of your arm of like, here's what you can expect, and here's what a success looks like or not. And I appreciate because when you're when you're agnostic, depending on how much business experience you have, those are critical insights to to inform your decision. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So that's a tool that we're working on right now to help people evaluate fit mm. for these businesses. Um, and then the other tools will be, you know, the offer letter, embedding in the offer letter and that kind of thing will will come as well. Um, so it's- Come on, we can't resist it. Right it's, a da- it's a dating app for businesses, right? <laughs> that's really what it is. App. It's totally a dating app. <laughs> Swipe right if With you're into support. this business. <laughs> With support. <laughs> Not to minimize that at all. I think it's uh, first first step for anything is oh oh I can relate. I understand what you're doing here. So I don't not that was not designed or intended to be a smart ass and, and minimize no, it. It's, no it's not a it's not a simple journey. But you've got to get people comfortable and curious enough to even start going down the journey, right? To even yeah. know it's possible. To your point, yeah. you mentioned a little bit about funding and the balance between grant funding and and your first your 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 early stage rounds what is that tell us tell us a little bit or whatever you feel comfortable sharing on the financial mm-hmm. journey was it like bootstrap four founders said okay we're in we're going to do what we need let's get some grant let's get some non dilutive let's get some friends and family let's do seed pre-. did it follow a normal quote unquote path if you will if there's any real path to funding but there 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 kind of is a left to right flow of how money starts to show up leading up to when the customers themselves actually start contributing to that funding <laughs> yeah yeah, absolutely. So no, we absolutely did the bootstrap. There's four of us. So we put in, we put in a bit of money together okay. to, you know, start paying dev and start to, you know, bring the idea to life. Um, so we started with an overseas dev team, you know, with the budget that we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we ended up bringing dev locally. And so we, we brought dev local after our first capital raise. Uh, so we did pull from from family and friends and just okay. a couple of local angel investors. Okay. Um, and that was interesting. You know, it's your that's your pre-seed round. And I don't come from tech. So I've had to learn all of this, which has been so fun. It's been so fun. Um, and this so it is a lingo all its so own, generous. right? It's its own it's yeah, its own it, dialect for oh, sure. <laughs> oh, it absolutely is. But this community, everyone is so helpful. Everyone is like, oh, oh yeah, you're at this stage. Where are you at? What are you doing? You know, you need to meet this person. You need to meet that person. And you know, I love that about tech. It's it's hard. So when people have gone through it, they turn around and they they try and help the next the next folks coming up the ladder. And um, so we, yep. Yeah, so we brought in 13 investors in our pre-seed round. Okay. So, uh, so it goes pre-seed, seed, series A, B, C, and then yep. to IPO or exit kind of thing. And so right now we're in the process of doing our seed round, which is kind of like, I think of it like our awkward teenage stage, you know, <laughs> we're kind of, you know, we're still raising from angels. We're a little bit too early for venture capital. Um, and, and then our revenue. So we're at that, we're at that crossroads where we're still needing to raise, but our revenue is starting to catch up. 
Okay. And we've- Which is a, which really changes the story when you go out to those investors now. That's a great, yeah. that's a great twist of the story. Mm. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. And then like the grant path is funny too, because, you know, to apply for different grants, you have to be at a certain stage and yeah. you have to check all the boxes at that stage. And so it, it is, it's, it's complex to navigate. I think, you know, all the, you know, you, you chatted that you almost need a roadmap for the, um, you know, these, the supports in this, the ecosystem, um, ecosystem that where it gets thrown around a lot, but yes, I know do. it does, and, and- but yes, I, it, it, it's somewhat appropriate, even though it feels buzzy, but I get it. <laughs> I use yeah, it excessively. Totally I, I use it too much but- as well. I use it too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do too. Uh, well, were any of your founders tech, tech tech savvy? I don't even know how to ask that. Were some of your founders tech founders or were you all business side or business case? And that gap in, in today's world, if you're doing a startup, there's just an implication that technology is going to play a huge part in it. And I've talked to a lot of founders that are like, ah, that was my biggest challenge because I really didn't know. And maybe I got snowed a little bit by a dev team or I, I was told this and I didn't really know. And geez, if I could have done it again, I would have had a number two, a, a partner that really understood technology. What was, what was that, what, what was that part of the journey like for you? Oh, I love that question. No one's asked that. Um, so well, sweet. I'm glad I got to bring something unique to the table. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, I, I love our backgrounds. Our, our background backgrounds are like a, bl- a perfect blend of um, different skills. Um, so Rob, my our CEO, Rob, uh, Robert, when he had the most tech technical background, okay. um, he had created another platform in the past and. So he had kind of gotten abreast of the lingo and the process and the, some of the programs that were out there. He took some earlier support programs. Um, Junction 31 was an early stage program that he took. Um, and he's not a dev guy, but he understood the lingo and he understood the process. And he could take an idea and build it into a product. And he and it's it was great because Rob has that tech background, the tech experience as well as finance. He was a wealth manager for 15 years and so worked with entrepreneurs and succession and wealth creation. Mm, okay. Um, and he had also bought and sold a business before and, and has his own scars from those stories. Um, <laughs> yes, and learnings. then, learnings. yes, all the learnings. And then Giselle <laughs> came from, um, she worked with a SaaS platform in Toronto and they worked in the industry as well. So she worked, used to work for a company called um, Built Okay, so you had some technical horsepower on the team. <laughs> yeah, and she is very much like um, user, user flow, user experience, um, sales in SaaS. Um, and then Josh came from marketing and sales in corporate. And then my background is very kind of university of life, um, was an entrepreneur, then I bought a franchise because that's because we didn't know you could buy an existing business, almost lost our shirts on it, you know, got some bumps and bruises along the way, ended up finally built it to the point where I could sell it, became a business broker, realized none of the businesses out there that were coming to us were ready to sell, segued into exit planning and started training people to, you know, prepare their businesses for sale. And then Rob and I ran into each other and we were just like, whoa, what are you doing? And what are you doing? Oh, so the puzzle makes sense when you talk about the the four different pieces being the four founders. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I and I, I was talking to somebody the other day. They said, What's what's been hard? And I said, you know, I, I honestly think that serendipity had a lot to do with it. Because how do you get four people that are at, you know, various stages of their life to invest so much sweat equity 
at the same time um, and not get paid to do it for, you know, a, a while. It's for all the fame and the glory, right? Isn't product. that what it's for? The fame and the glory? <laughs> yeah, the, all the fame and the glory, yeah. You know, there's some days you go, what are we doing? And then some days you're like, we're a rocket ship. We're going to the <laughs> moon. A, oh, that is the roller coaster right there. Um, I love it. I appreciate the perspective of the four founder. And you're right. Like, And again, everyone I talk to, I have a lot of VCs on the show and at different stages from seed, pre-seed all the way up to A&B. And it's like, especially in those early stages, you're investing in a team. And the idea yeah. is important, yes. And, but many a good idea, or even an average idea can become a good idea with a team who's there and able to evolve it. And, and you know, I think every idea moves from great to good to average to poor to back to great again. That's the journey back to your point about this. Sometimes the painting isn't what you figured it would be or the art installation when you, when, when you started it and, and where, where's that balance before founders with a different um, background and perspective. Talk to me a little bit about um, my marketing hat here, but customer acquisition. Great platform, amazing thing. How do people know about it? How do they find it? How do they? How do you get it on people's radar? Yeah. So in the beginning, it was it was challenging in the beginning because you know I said to somebody yesterday, if we made dog food, we could target all the people who own dogs. <laughs> yep. But we don't make dog food, and so we are targeting people who who are 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 challenging to find. Like we can find private equity companies and we can find, you know, companies growing through acquisition, but um our product was built for kind of the uh, retail investor or the yeah, the yeah, yeah. person that wanted to change their career and also have an investment strategy. Um and so, you know, here we are marketing to the egos and and hoping something lands with the right person. Like it's it, it, it was that is tough from a marketing to, perspective when your yeah. ideal customer profile is broad, not, not, not vague specific, but hard to identify because they don't necessarily self-identify as I'm a dog owner. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they just to use that one as an example. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So we've, um, I think now we've got the, we've got the network effect. Now the majority okay. of our users, buyers and sellers are coming through referrals. So, and we, we do webinars um, once a month now, and we bring in expert panelists and I moderate a panel of, of, of folks. And we just run kind of a Q and a session with them once a month. And that's been drawing a lot of people in. Um, nice. You've been taking advisors. very educational thought, thought leadership, yeah. like, cause you know, there's a gap yeah. and there's no, there's people that are curious, but don't know about it. So a good opportunity to be an educator, be a th- quote unquote thought leader, which gets thrown around a lot in marketing, but that yeah. makes a lot of sense to me in this space. Cause like you're always learning if you're on either side of the buy or sell, you, I need to learn more. Yeah. I need to learn more. <laughs> And and I think too, like there's a movement that's happening around building communities as part of, you know, marketing and sales. And in mm-hmm. past it was, well, you do marketing and sales. And now there's community managers, like there's specific roles around building yeah. communities. As we all as we all look for our tribe, right? <laughs> as you look for and your a, tribe, and a variety exactly. of tribes. And a variety of tribes. <laughs> yeah. And so in the beginning we started to build tech and then we realized that we we needed a community. And so now we run private, our members can access private roundtables. And that's something else that they've really started to levitate to is, um, you know, they, they, it's lonely when you're buying a business and you're out there, it's lonely. And, you know, your peers don't necessarily understand unless they're doing it too. And so it's been really quite magical to see people come across, come, come together from across the country to meet each other that are, that are doing, you know, small business acquisitions. Um, and it's been really fun to see it come. Well, just the simple, 
I'm not alone. Like just that <laughs> right there, especially after the last few years of what we've been through that the people, the, the peoples, pe humans need to connect and how we all got reminded when we got disconnected. <laughs> and uh, I've been in executive groups from, you know, EO to tech over the years. And I can look back at some of my business successes and it was because of who sat around, who I sat around in that room with, where I could really bring the messy bits and go, okay, I don't have a clue what the hell's going on here. Like, but someone in the room does. And that's been a game changer. I, you know, if any advice I can give any is get in a peer group like and and move around and try different ones because it is about the group it's maybe not even about the organization that put the group together it's who ends up being in that room and that's your 10xer right there <laughs> for for any of us so i i love that you guys are taking that path in what can be very lonely journey and nothing more lonely than sometimes being an entrepreneur a business owner even if you're running a successful business because it's just you sitting there and trying to figure it all out that can be very lonely <laughs> yeah absolutely and then even after people have found a business and bought it, they're coming back to us and saying, well, now what? And will you- Well, that, will that's, you when the work, that's when the work really starts, right? <laughs> that's when it really starts. Exactly. Exactly. And they want to stay in the groups. They want to stay in the community. So we're, we're setting up a subscription for them to stay with us and stay in the community after they bought a business. Because now it's, I mean, you, it's, it's different- when you're relating to other business owners too, because if they bootstrapped and they started from, from zero and you just got totally. thrown into this company that, you know, does over a million in revenue. Depending right on your away. background and whatever the case may be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and you're dealing with all of the current employees who what? went, Oh, who are you? <laughs> So oh man, yeah, no. I think for yeah. any of us who've been in this journey, like, it, there's a lot. There's a lot of moving. There's a lot of pieces, and having and not having support in that can be very, very challenging. And you know, as I always joke in my leadership, my buddy used to say, he "Goes, I go to this leadership group because there's somebody in this room that stepped on the landmine that I'm about to step on, and if they can tell me, or if I can at least step on the side of it, that is worth its weight in gold of my one day a month or whatever I do to dedicate to the to this group." And, 100%. and uh, so I love that you guys are putting that together. And you're I've noticed a lot, just even in Calgary, there was a lot of highly educated. Uh, mid-career individuals that got laid off a bunch of years ago, but they got a bunch of money mm -hmm. and they have money because they've been, maybe they'd had an exit just because, not because they exited, but they were in an energy company that had an exit. And But all of a sudden, and I, I, and I can think of a few individuals, you take the really smart, highly skilled engineer who, so, who believes they know all the answers and you put them to run a business and very quickly it's like, oh my God, what is going on? <laughs> and, that, and that shell of even I got this figured out sometimes can fall away pretty quick. And I'm not going to name names, yeah. but there's a few friends that they're like, holy shit, I thought I knew more than what I did. Well, sure, I can run a business. Of course it's I can. Because look at these big million billion dollar projects I've worked on. Yeah, but in a very narrow capacity. <laughs> yeah. And as an entrepreneur, you wear so many hats and it's yeah. no different. You step into an existing business, you're still wearing, you know, more than one hat. And you're used to having a job and, you know, being having direction in what you do. And now all of a sudden you're at the helm of this company that you own and it's a very humbling. And yes, you have to, you have to know quickly where to go to for help. So yeah, the peer groups are, are, um, the, there's some great, great established peer groups in the, in the city. Yeah. Back to the dating, um, uh, 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 thinking about the profiling, thinking about the use of AI, thinking about the intelligence that you're building into this, 
to really understand the nuance or the dynamics of a business, like because it is matchmaking to a certain in a perfect world, the mm-hmm. you you're going for the right fit, the right match. Just using that. So, how much from a technology perspective? I'm assuming just more and more all the time. We're getting, we're gathering more information on our buyers. We're gathering more information on our sellers and our sellers' businesses, so that we can then maybe oh, I'm open for anything. Well, hey, let us let our system match you up with some of the criteria that you know we understand about you. And how much is that a factor? And is that something I'm assuming is just going to keep improving with the platform. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we're at the early stages right now. Like right now, the buyers and sellers input, you know, five to 10 data points and the algorithm will pair them on those data points. Um, but with the use of AI, that's where we're still exploring, you know, how can AI really help us mm-hmm. with this? And and it's a learning curve too, because our team doesn't have experience in AI. And so we're, we're learning right now what grants are out there, what programs are out there. Um, I know like the universities have programs to help companies establish AI. Um, And I think first, what we've, what we've come to realize is that first of all, it's almost like an analysis and a discovery process of, we think we know how we can use AI, but we really need like the group to come in and, and do their kind of discovery work with us to go, here's, here's how you think you can use the AI. Here's how we think you could use the AI. And maybe there's some things that, you know, we weren't thinking about. Um, so I've heard other companies using AI to, you know, understand the behavior of the users to be able to better match. So that's mm-hmm. something we're looking at. Do we do we look at their patterns and their behaviors based on, you know, the, even their LinkedIn profile, and then we can make recommendations on fit. But with uh, buying a business, you also want to pair with the background and the skills that they've already had. So if they've got yeah. a background in marketing and sales and, you know, what are the gaps that the company has? What what type of leadership mm. does this company need in order to be successful? And then we can kind of monitor the behavior of both the buyer and the seller and better find fit. So it it absolutely is an evolution. And I think, you know, with being still early with AI, um, it'll be it'll be fun to continue down. What if, what if that can be quantified? I'm putting on my AI hat. What if that can be quantified versus qual like the quant qual side of that is really challenging? And like here, you know, mm-hmm. here read six months of my last emails to find out what I'm really like as a leader. Like that, you know, I'm, obviously that's not something we would do, but it, yeah. it's amazing. Like with you've got this capability, but it's what do you feed it? to allow it to yeah. then make a decision and business side well what's going on in the sector what's happening in western canada the ability for ai to have access to those broad swipes of information that of course you could research on your own for hour and hours and hours and hours or ai can do it in, in moments in front of in front of your eyes oh, but exactly. that matchmaking is a really interesting layer of you know what do we need to give it it the the big it to allow it to come back with quality recommendations or quality insights that actually allow us to make better decisions. I I do like the concept of augmented intelligence, not necessarily artificial. I had someone say that to me the other day. Like if you think about the fact we're augmenting human decision making and human thinking capabilities versus artificially trying to replicate it, it mm. makes it feel a bit different. So I've been latching onto the augmented concept versus just the artificial. But yeah. that's my own journey. That's my own journey. Yeah. Oh, I like Always that. thinking about That's thinking, so like hmm, <laughs> and because <laughs> so uh, and when you use it, you know ChatGPT just as an example because it's become so accessible. When you use it as a thinking partner to really challenge you to not just get to the answer easier, but to go, huh. If that's the quick answer, what could I really come up with? Like, put some thought into this. But you've got to push yourself to do that. But yes, this is not an AI yeah. conversation. But <laughs> everything <laughs> these days is an AI conversation, isn't it? It is. It gets woven <laughs> in there somehow. 
Well, what did I see the stats of like the amount of uh, quarterly reports and the number of times AI was dropped on earnings calls and like it's like skyrocketed when you see the trending. You know, last year at this time, uh, it was the metaverse or maybe not this time, but 18 months ago. And that I think word has dropped right out of everyone's vernacular right oh, now, especially yeah. meta. Uh, but uh, that's a, that's a, that's a technology. And as a technology company, that's also such a challenge. Not that we're going to answer it, but how do you not chase the shiny unicorns and find the tools that are actually going to be a good investment? Because every dollar mm-hmm. matters. Always as yep. a company, but especially as a startup, you spend too much time yep. going down path path C when you should have went down path B. Yep. Those can be make or breaks for companies. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So testing is critical. It's like how do we do things incrementally? How do we do things without spending money at the in the beginning? <laughs> yeah. So right now, like we're we're about to run through our first AI pilot, and it's um, you know we negotiated a test price with you know. An like AI any proper entrepreneur should do, Elias. Absolutely. Yes. How how do we get this for a specific period of time? For how do we create a win win situation here? <laughs> we'll test your product. Um, yeah, we'll we'll be so, your guinea pig. Absolutely, yeah. let's do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so, find, I think I think too, like you know, finding companies to work with where they're at a similar stage where it is a win win. Yeah. Like you're yeah, testing, truly. they're looking for feedback and, and discovery, and and you can provide that and vice versa. Um, that's been working well. So, and in technology too, like finding those partnerships where you can really test and iterate and test and iterate and improve for both of you is, you know, sometimes it's not an exchange of money. Sometimes it's an exchange of marketing power or um, product testing, um, finding those synergies and those ways to work together. Um, well, back to your, back to community, right? That yeah. exists on many levels. Mm. Yeah. And the, tr- the win-win can sound a bit cheesy and it takes a lot of work to create a win-win, but they're there and you've just got to both be willing to one yeah. be honest be full disclosure everybody knows what they're getting out of the situation i just yeah good communication yeah. up front is the key to any of those kind of collabs so yeah. pivoting or, back because uh, sorry go ahead go ahead well i was gonna say like sometimes you know it can be easy to collaborate tech company to tech company but what we're finding that's interesting is you know traditional hmm. firms when we see it we see how we can help or where where they've got you know a user base or a They've got members and we've got tech. Sometimes I find there's there's a gap between traditional firms seeing the opportunity that some of the tech companies can provide. And see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's internally, they're so used to doing it the traditional way that, you know, it really takes finding the right person within an established organization to go, hey guys, you know, this isn't scary, this isn't competitive. This is this can advance some of what we're doing, and some of those relationships have been more challenging to build. I believe it. Change management's a real thing. Humans are we're very oh, it's better, but I'm comfortable. And change change is yeah. scary. And I know we love you know digital transformation. I don't know what's going on over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This, I'm going to stay over here and do my thing and just going to, you know, f- fear and change management is so critical. And I've had lots of conversations on the show about digital transformation, but sooner or later, you got to go, what about the humans? <laughs> what about the people that are actually involved in this, right? It's not yeah. just a bunch of switches and levers. These are these are humans. We've got our yeah. own fears and we've got our own. You've got the early adopters and the, whoa, my job and all those. And I think that they're very real. And I think that, um, uh, ignore them at your, at your peril. Uh, pivoting back a little bit to 
what you're learning by working with these two groups, the sellers and the buyers. And I'm putting you on the spot. I didn't ask you this ahead of time. So um, do you have like a bit of a, geez, you know, after my years, like these are the top three things as a buyer, I would really kind of put on your radar, like really think of this. And as a seller, here's my top three. And you can have five or six in your top three. It doesn't have to be. They, mm-hmm. they, I always joke. I've got five or six things in my top three because I don't know which really is one, two, three, but they yeah. all fit in. Do you have any things that you've really seen or insights by you're building this business to support these two groups? What insights have you gathered about those two groups that you would want to share? That's a good question. Um, Like for buyers, you know, I think once they understand and they kind of get, you know, get their wheels lubricated a bit, they're like, oh, okay, this is a thing. This is if they've never bought a business before, this is a thing. Other people are doing it. I can do it too. And there's a path here and there's a path to wealth creation here. Um, And so first of all, I think it's awareness for buyers. Like there's a community, there's other people that are doing this. This is a thing. This happens. First of all, awareness. And there's some great literature out there. Um, We always recommend, you know, the Harvard Business Review Guide for Buying a Small Business. um, And then by, I think it's by Then Build, um, by Walker Diebel. Two fantastic books um, for people to kind of get their get their feet wet and get into it. Um, there's more podcasts that are out there. My favorite one right now is Acquiring Minds. And this guy introduces mm. and interviews people that um, have bought businesses before and tells the good, the bad, and the ugly and the store, all the stories. So now that this has been like happening mm. over like the last 10 to 20 years, there's but it's been happening quietly across North America. Um, now there's stories that are getting retold on podcasts and through books and things. So so the content is starting to get out there more so in the last five years than ever before. Um, so I think that's something that we're starting to see. We're starting to see the awareness increase. And it was funny. I saw something recently that said, you know, MBA students aren't chasing Wall Street anymore. They're they're chasing, you know, small business ownership, medium, low, small to medium sized business ownership because um, they can access capital through investors. So we talk about VC and you talk about private equity. Well, you can get investors to co-invest to buy a business. And so that's, that might be a whole other conversation for another day, but I like where that industry is starting to go. And I've had some conversations of where that's starting to emerge of investors specifically. No, no, we're not into startups. We're looking at legacy. We're looking at buy and hold. We're Mm -hmm. looking at even constellation software in Toronto. They've got a fantastic model around that. And that's the biggest software company you've never heard about. (laughs) You know, if you look at what they do and they buy that reoccurring revenue SaaS model, and then they hold them for 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. Yep. So we're seeing more. You're right. That's another podcast. Um, That's a whole nother conversation. You're right. right. It is. Yeah. I'm available. You want to have me back? Um, (laughs) Nice. Good answer. uh, So we're seeing, we're seeing more companies, more established companies look at instead of growing organically, like, Hey, we could do this too. We can grow through acquisition. Um, So again, awareness, but the financing. So awareness would be my, my one thing that we're seeing. Okay. Second thing is understanding, you know, how the financing works. And so if, if you're an individual, the mechanics, the mechanics, the of mechanics of the financing. And so, you know, when you buy a home, you know, it's 20% or if you're using CMHC, it's less than that kind of thing. And to buy a business, you can, if you're going through institutional lending, then they want to see you have some skin in the game. And what we're hearing is they want to see a minimum 15% down. Um, and they're coming up and doing anywhere from 50 to 80%. So if you're putting in 15% as an individual and the banks are doing 50 to 80 
then your gap is anywhere from five to, here's my math, five to 35%. And so you can fill that gap with vendor financing, which means the seller actually, you you enter in a promissory note or a a different structure to pay them over time, or you get co-investors. And co-investors can be family and friends or um, private equity groups or other like BDC. BDC is a co-investor. BDC will come in and take 10 to 40% of the company and help you and help you finance the rest or other models and other connections and, and stack it. So, you know, where real estate is often, you know, cash down and then bank financing, business acquisition um, capital comes from multiple sources. Mm. And so there's a big knowledge gap around that. Um, And it's really important. So flipping over to the sell side, it's really important for sellers to understand how the financing works because, you know, some business owners are thinking someone's going to come in and they're going to be a cash buyer and they're just going to buy me out and this is what I want and it's all going to be <laughs> the, 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 the wheelbarrow of money. Away. The wheelbarrow of money story. <laughs> I'm going to leave with money um, and it's going to be great. And it's like, well, the expectations in the market right now is that the seller is going to vendor finance a portion, and typically okay. what what this you know stat shows is you know ten to twenty percent. More, more close, closer to the ten percent, but they want to see that you've got skin in the game, and this isn't like a real estate purchase where you know you never meet the person that buys your buys your home and you walk away. Like this is like a marriage, and then you're signing the prenup and the divorce agreement at the same time. Like you're getting married. You're, 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 <laughs> I really appreciate you know? the context because I think that the biggest. <laughs> transaction most people make is real estate and that they created this blind like i don't love any i don't love anything about the way that that transacts but i'm really glad you clarified and like it's not because that's the most people that's their other biggest transaction they've ever done up to that point depending on where they're at in this journey right Mm -hmm. yep and it's really important for the sellers to understand the the challenges that the buyer has to face and and what they need from the company so one thing i heard when i was a broker often was Oh, I, I tried to sell my business, but the buyer couldn't get financing. Well, that's a story, but what's missing in that story is that the bank would have looked at the buyer and then they would have looked at the business. And it's the combination of the two mm. that determine the bankability of that transaction. And there's so much information for buyers and sellers to learn about how this transaction is financed and how it can be made possible. So that's a big component of why deals fall apart. Um, and that's that's the third phase of Village Wealth. So the third phase of Village Wealth is making it more accessible to access co-investors for people to buy businesses. Um, and it changes. Like if you're a corporation who's growing through acquisition, the banks look at you differently because they're looking at the cash flow from your existing company. It's a whole different can, conversation, right? Like it's, it's a different it's thing. It's a whole thing. Right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. depending on the type of buyer that you are and you know, there's different, the different metrics and and it's a different process. So lots to learn there. Such an interesting world. And to your point that ambiguity, the unknown that, oh, it's behind the curtain. And it's been kept as this almost tucked away opportunity and that access to the democratization of early stage investments and venture capital. Like I've had some conversations about that. I love how that to me fits into that category of like, either to start a business or buy a franchise. Oh no, there's this whole other category that actually is potentially as a different risk profile because these are established businesses with track record. You've got individuals that are very invested in those businesses that maybe don't want to ride off into the sunset 
right away either. They want to be involved. They just want to take some money off the table. Like there's so many unique twists to that formula. I'm I'm a big supporter of it. I love what you guys are doing. I love the education path because for many people, it's just an unknown. Like when you don't know something, it's by default scary. Usually it's what happens (laughs) or it's not scary at all. And you make a mistake and then it gets scary afterwards. (laughs) Well, it gets scary and it gets costly. So that's the thing, you know, in transactions is you make a mistake and, you know, you have lawyers in there and you've got advisors that are billing, you know, by the minute or by the hour and, like, and even the lawyers, whatever it is, like, it's too much. Whatever it is, it's too much. <laughs> it's too much. Even the lawyers say this. They're like, if you bring us in too late and you do something or you agree to something that we have to reverse engineer, it is going to cost you thousands it costs, of dollars. It more costs more to, 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 to deconstruct right? <laughs> what you did because you were trying to save money. Oh, there's your other nugget. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, sometimes trying to save money can be very expensive in the long run. Yes. That is definitely that is definitely a nugget on both the buy side and the sell side. Is that you've got to find the right advisors and find them at the right time. Like people are like, well, should I find the right lawyer now? And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, go. We will we will give you introductions to two to three law firms and two to three of whatever you need. Go meet them now because when you find your deal or when you find your buyer, like things happen really fast and you need them like you're almost going to need them on speed dial. So you don't want to just be picking who's available that week when you have a deal on the no, table. Like, no. It's what and you said about the marriage earlier. I, I don't know, but this has happened to me. I, you know, I got married twenty years. Married. I'm actually my coming up. My wife and I are twenty years married in July. Could not be happier. Oh, Couldn't be awesome. But everything that was said when we did those vows. They were 100% right. I just didn't understand it at the time. When you get into business, they say, get a good lawyer, get an accountant, get a team, get trusted advisors. That's all 110% true. (laughs) And if you don't believe it when they tell you, you will find out the hard way that those things are all 100% real. (laughs) Yep. Absolutely. And if you want to and have yes, a twenty-year business success, it, like a twenty-year marriage, take those take those vows very seriously and put a team together. And anyway, sorry, that was weird. I felt like drawing it back together because it is it's so relevant to that example. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, like it or lump it, it's it's reality. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Liz, thanks so much for a fabulous conversation. I was looking forward to it. I love this topic and I love this space. I'm really, not only the service that you're offering, I think is going to create a huge opportunity for so many people on both sides. Because I have a lot of friends in some of my business groups that are like, what does exit even look like? And they're overwhelmed from that place. And you've got a lot of people going, I'm maybe not so fulfilled in this role anymore. Maybe I want to do my own thing as that becomes a little bit more appealing. But more importantly, the education portal, I think is critical. And I love it from a marketing perspective because I could be learning from you for years before I ever become a customer, but that creates such community and builds that tribe around something that can create a lot of wealth and, and opportunity for people to, to exit and people to enter. So I think it's really cool, the balance of the, it'd be hard to play this if you weren't playing both sides, because you'd always be missing a big piece of the puzzle, right? It's like, well, there, I can't see who's on the other side of the net. So I do appreciate you guys did the extra work to build this as a marketplace. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. How do people ride. get a hold yeah. of you? What's your what's your what's your preferred? If you have a favorite way for people to actually get a hold of you, what is it? I'm I'm a LinkedIn person. I love LinkedIn. Nice. I love the ease of of finding people on it and connecting and getting to see a little bit about them before. You know, I can tell because we have 185, and I find this laughable. Now. We have 185 mutual connections, and the first two, I'm <laughs> like, you know, Stacy and Cheryl. How do you even know them? Like, I do love LinkedIn because it's so, it, it, it's not nameless, faceless. Like, if it's if you're in your community, you will know most of the people you bump into on LinkedIn. I do really like it for that. I know, it's it's our so best surprised. platform for the podcast as well, too. Mm. Totally, I'm so surprised you and I haven't met before now either. I, I I'm shocked. 
especially in the biggest small town ever, which is Calgary and Southern Alberta, for sure. Well, we've met now, so we've, that, that, that is dealt with, and I look forward to crossing paths again. Um, and also, as I said, Bladen, this is all about promoting villagewealth.com. Uh, Go check it out. Have an experience. Get educated. When's your next webinar? When's your next learning opportunity? It is May 24th, and we have a negotiations expert on who- Oh, who do you have? Um, is um, Joanna Shea. I love Joanna. I just did a podcast with her a couple of weeks ago. She is amazing. I have like a business crush on her. She's such a fantastic lady. I love her. She's great. Well, I know we usually run panels, but when I talked to Joanna, I thought, oh my God, like we just need you. We don't need anybody else. We just need you in this conversation. Yeah. So here's a blatant plug, because I think this might come out after that. So if you missed it, I also, uh, like a few episodes ago, I had Joanna on talking about negotiation and the role. And so I'm a huge supporter of what they're doing. And I love what they're doing at the Negotiations Collective. And very cool. That's great. You have Joanna. I'd see small world right there. Boom, boom. One degree of separation instantaneously. Um, Liz, thanks for the chat. Thanks for your time. Good luck on everything. We will be chatting again. I will say that confidently. Thank you so much. I so appreciate it.